few uh, months ago, uh, I was uh, scrolling about online, as you do, I do, perhaps you do as well, and I came across a sentence which got me thinking, and uh, the sentence was this, it was just a little picture with a little quote in the middle. And it said, always trust your instincts. They are messages from your soul. Always trust your instincts. They are messages from your soul. Now, what do you think of that? Now, when I read that, I thought, hmm. Is that good advice or not. Now, you might say, and you could argue, that there is some truth in it. Um, I'm sure we've all had the experience of feeling a, an unease about something, and we can't quite pinpoint why we feel uneasy, but we do. And often, it's good to investigate why you feel uneasy in those situations, Sometimes our instincts tell us things which our mind doesn't necessarily uh, realise why, and we shouldn't ignore them. But, having said that, generally speaking, I'll suggest that it's very poor advice to say to anyone, always trust your instincts. Because that's far too easily interpreted as saying, always trust whatever you feel. Whatever you feel must be right. And surely we all know that's nonsense. Everything that runs through your brain, everything you feel about a particular situation, you've got very little reason to think is true. If you always trust your instincts, if you always trust your feelings, you're going to end yourself in hot water indeed in the end. The problem is that sentence I read out, always trust your instincts, they are messages from your soul. That in many ways is the message of the society that we live in. Unless you've been living under a rock, unless you Uh, do not have a TV or do not look at the billboards or uh, do not enter a shop, uh, you can't have failed to have heard that message in various different ways. Uh, Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. Uh, Let your heart decide. Follow your truth. I'm sure all of us have heard those sentences somewhere or another. Because that's where our society looks for truth. It looks for truth inside our hearts. Uh, In years gone by, uh, society used to look for truth in kind of wise men and women, uh, in rulers, in kings, in people in authority. And lesser beings would look to these people who had authority and say, teach us the truth, show us the way we should go. And they would rely on such people. As years went by, people started to cotton on to the fact that leaders often lie. People in authority often lie. You can't always trust the people in authority. Because sometimes 
They're in it for themselves and don't really care about you. And so people started to uh, look for other sources of authority. They tried to look for truth in other places. And most recently, uh, people thought they found truth in science. We can't trust people of authority. We can't trust the uh, ruler or the witch doctor or the person who is an authority. But we can trust the scientists. Because science is pure and uncorrupted, isn't it? Uh, We can do tests, we can do experiments, and we can find out what the truth is. And for many years, people thought that was where truth could be found. By doing experiments and doing pure, uh, empirical, scientific experiments. And that way we can find truth. Unfortunately, people discovered a problem there as well. The problem is, science can teach us many things. Uh, It can teach us many things about medicine. It can give you iPhones and televisions and radios and all the wonderful technologies we enjoy today. But it can't answer deeper questions. It can't teach us why we're here. It can't teach us what love is. It can't give us hope. Uh, Science can give us many things, but it cannot answer all the questions that we have. Besides that... uh, people started to realise that scientists aren't pure as the driven snow either. Uh, Scientists have to be funded by someone. And that, unfortunately, can uh, lead the science in different directions. And so not even scientists can be trusted all the time. And that leads us to the place where we are now, where people thought, well, we can't trust rulers, we can't trust people in authority, we can't even trust science all the time, Who can we trust? What can we trust? And the answer our world gives is we trust ourselves. We listen to what we think. We follow our own truth. Don't let other people outside of you try to manipulate you and twist you and shape you into their mould. Shape yourself into your own mould. Follow your heart. Be what you want to be. And that's why we have a situation today where People can even say they're a different gender to what they were born with. Uh, People can uh, say essentially whatever they like as long as they're not hurting someone else. Because that's the one big rule. Don't hurt anyone else. Otherwise, be whatever you want to be. And our society assumes that the truer you are to yourself, the happier you will be. Well, Peter has a very different message. Jesus, through Peter, has a very different message. Uh, Turn with me again to verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'm not sure there's many more relevant verses in the Bible uh, to our situation today than verses 13 and 14 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Listen again to what Peter says, verse 13. He says, Therefore... Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance. Do you see how Peter says the exact opposite 
of what our society often says. Our society says, look deep inside yourself and find your truth. Peter says, look to Jesus as an obedient child, not conforming yourself to your former lusts. Peter says, if you dig deep in yourself, you're not going to find anything good. If you want to find something good, look out of yourself. Look to Christ. In fact, Peter just says exactly what Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15 says. If you don't know what that says, look on the front of your sheet. And the front of your service sheet, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15, says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child or in the heart of a youth. I don't know, but you might find that a bit offensive this morning. Uh, Many in our society do find that offensive because many people around us think children are the most pure things there are. It's adults who are corrupted and, you know, got uh, seduced by power and greed and all these things. But children are so pure. Children are so innocent. Really? Of course they're not. Uh, as the book of Proverbs says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. You, you need to teach a child. If you let a child run through their every instinct or do whatever they desire, worst case scenario, they'll end up killing themselves. Because children do not know what is best for them. Left to themselves, a child will eat too much. They'll eat too much of the wrong thing. They'll drink the wrong thing. They will touch the wrong thing. Children are naturally foolish, like we all were, and perhaps still are to some extent. Children need to be trained. Children need to be governed. That's what maturity is. It's growing and discerning what is good and what is bad. Children need to be taught that. Uh, If you like, we all, when we're born, we're more like a a wild animal than anything else. Uh, They might wonder why I put the picture I did on the front of the service sheet, but that's why. Um, We need to be trained. We need to be disciplined. We need to be governed. And that's a teaching which our society does not like. Now, I can't probably share this before, but I'll share it again. I remember looking at a cartoon, and uh, the cartoon showed two pictures. And one uh, was a picture from 1950, uh, of a situation in 1950, and the other one was a situation in 2020. And in 1950, it showed uh, a pet, a pet, um, two parents with their child standing in front of the desk of a teacher. And the teacher has a paper in front of the paper which the student, the child, had um, completed. And on the sheet was a big F, big F of fail. And in the 1950s picture, the parents are looking at the child and saying, what's the meaning of this? Why did you fail the exam? Fast forward 70 years to 2020, and you have the same parents... Same child, same teacher, same graded paper, F. But the parents aren't looking at the child, they're looking at the teacher. And they're saying, what's the meaning of this? Do you see? They blame the teacher, not the child. Because it can't possibly be the child's fault. They're pure, they're innocent. It must be something the teacher did wrong, 
otherwise the child would have succeeded. But that's not how the Bible presents it. We all need to be taught. We all need to be trained. And left to our own devices, we will go in the wrong direction. And that's why Peter says what he says here. He says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. Peter says, don't trust your instincts. Don't listen to yourself. Look outside yourself. Don't even simply look to the authorities around us because they can be misleading as well. But look to Christ. Set your hope fully on him and he will teach you the right way. This is why Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Look within yourself, you'll just find darkness. Look in yourself and you will not find any answers. Look to Christ and you'll find all the light that you need. And Peter gives us two instructions. Uh, Peter gives us two instructions to live out in the light of this. Look again at verse 13. Uh, He says, first of all, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. He says, gird up the loins of your mind. You might wonder, what does that mean? What does that mean to gird up the loins of your minds? We need to remember that Peter was writing 2,000 years ago. And in the time that Peter was uh, living in, uh, both men and women would wear uh, sort of long, for want of a better word, dress-like garments. And if uh, a man wanted to um, get ready for work or get ready to run and to do some task, he would gird up his loins, he would uh, hitch up his garments, and he would tie uh, the, the dress, as it were, between his legs and tie it around his waist, freeing his legs so that he could work and run and move more easily. That's what it means to gird up your loins. And you'll notice, if you know the Old Testament, that phrase is used again and again and again. Uh, God telling prophets and kings and uh, men and women of God to gird up their loins. And what he's saying is, is get ready, brace yourselves, Don't just let the flow of this world take you where it wants, but get ready. Be firm. Think. Don't just be taken the way the world wants you to go. Because that's what happens naturally. Uh, If we let ourselves, we will just be flung to and fro from the changing by the changing fashions of this world. We'll listen to what the TV says and we'll just drink it all in and it will shape our lives. Uh, We'll listen to what the people around us are saying and we'll drink it in and it will shape our lives. But Peter says, don't do that. He says, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Don't be drunk. (laughs) Don't be, uh, lose your mind in the intoxication of this world. But be sober. Think about what you believe. Think about what you're being taught. Is it true Or is it not? We cannot afford to let the thinking of this world to simply sweep over us uncritically. Let me just tell you a story to kind of illustrate the importance of that. It's a very relevant story to our day and age. Uh, I heard a story, and I believe it's a true story, but the names of the people involved have been changed. Uh, But the story was a girl called Grace, and she was uh, brought up in a Christian family, 
but one day, suddenly, out of the blue, uh, she announced to her parents that she was genderless uh, before deciding a little bit later that actually she was a boy. She'd been born a girl, but no, actually, in reality, she was a boy. And uh, Grace explained that the journey had started when she'd been on social media, uh, whether that was Facebook, Instagram, whatever it was. And now at 16, she, um, 16 year old, 16 years old, 16 year old, she decided that she was not the gender that she'd been assigned at birth. She wasn't a girl, she was a boy. And the school nurses and the paediatricians told her parents that they must affirm her or she would commit suicide in the end. Uh, If her parents didn't go along with what Grace now believed about herself, then they would be causing her irreparable harm in the future. Now, what would you do in that situation? Imagine you're Grace's parents. How would you respond to the pressure of your daughter telling you that she is now your son? How would you respond to the pressure of these school authorities, nurses, paediatricians, telling you that unless you go along with it, and unless you affirm it, your daughter's going to commit suicide in the end? This is where we need to gird up the loins of our minds. This is where we need to be sober not just listen to these strong voices around us, but to think soberly. Fortunately, that's what Grace's parents did. As I said, they were believers, and uh, her mother, in fact, had been uh, trained to some degree or another in uh, psychology. And she doubted what the pediatricians were telling her, because she realized that there were many reasons why their daughter might be confused at this time. There were many different reasons why her as a 16-year-old going through many changes at that point, why she might be confused. So they didn't simply do as the school nurses told them. Instead, they prayed for her. Uh, They studied the Bible with grace. They nurtured their relationship with her. Uh, They gave her boundaries to how she could express herself. They took her to counselling. They kept taking her to church. They even started to homeschool her. But in all these different ways, they were seeking to feed into her and to teach her a better way. Uh, Thankfully, uh, after a while, uh, Grace, in the end, decided that, no, she wasn't a boy. She was, in fact, a girl afterwards. And thankfully, Grace came to that realisation. Sadly, not all do. But you see that those parents, they weren't swept by the culture around them. They stayed firm to what Christ taught. And as they talked to Grace afterwards, they found out why she'd gone on this journey. Uh, It turned out that Grace, as she was growing up, had been very uncomfortable uh, in her body, as it were, because she realised all the girls around her liked clothing which she, as a Christian, um, had been told was wrong, rightly so. 
uh, immodest clothing, clothing which um, was seeking to attract people rather than to um, uh, emphasise who she was as a person. And she didn't like the sort of things which the girls around her liked. And so she started to wonder, am I really a girl? Perhaps I'm a boy after all. And she realized that she admired her brother. She admired his strength. She admired his height. And she thought, maybe because I admire him, maybe I am a boy. And do you see how this sort of thinking, this confused thinking, was wrongly interpreted by those in her school. And she was pushed down a line which could have been absolutely destructive to her further down the line. Uh, she even said that after she started identifying as a uh, boy, she said it was like eating the Mario Kart ability mushroom. I'm not sure how many of you know what that is, but it's a computer game where you glow and you can go faster in the game because you're glowing with this energy. And she said because she was affirming her true self, everyone around her admired her. Everyone thought, aren't you wonderful? Isn't that amazing? And she glowed with this kind of newfound popularity, and it affirmed her in her path. But if she continued down it, it would have been destructive to her. Now, I give that example uh, just to hopefully help you to see how listening to Christ's path isn't just the right thing to do, it's actually the most healthy thing to do. It's actually the most kind thing to do. The worst thing we can do is to affirm someone believing something that is not true. Now, we would never do that, would we, in so many other things. Uh, I've known people in my life who are anorexic. Uh, terrible affliction to have. Uh, but you would never affirm them that they are right in the feelings that they have about their body. Uh, but in love and care and in sensitivity, you seek to show them a better way. Uh, and I could give example after example about ways in which we can be confused in our thinking and we can believe wrong things about ourselves. Uh, perhaps people here this morning have struggled with depression. And perhaps you wake up in the morning and you just do not want to get out of bed. Uh, you don't feel like you're worth getting out of bed. And the worst thing anyone could do for you would be to affirm you in that. What you need is someone to lovingly and kindly and gently come alongside you and say, just get up for 10 minutes. Just come up and have breakfast. Because we all need to be taught, don't we? We all have wrong thoughts about ourselves sometimes. We sometimes have wrong thoughts about others. And we need to be trained. We need to be disciplined. We need to be taught in the right way. That's why Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. But then look what he says. He says, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, set your hope on him. That's where you'll find truth. That's where you'll find security. Not in the mess and muddiness of your own feelings <laughs> or your own thinking. That's not where truth is to be found. That's not where security is to be found. It's to be found in him. Uh, let me just give you one other example. Um, our world says that it's wrong to stop 
anyone loving anyone who they want to love. That's what society says, isn't it? But can I shock you? Uh, The Bible has no problem whatsoever with men loving men or women loving women. The Bible calls it friendship. Heard of that? That's what the Bible says all people should do. All men should love all men and all women should love all women. That's what loving one another means. That's what friendship is. What the Bible, what God has a problem with, is who we give our bodies to. God has reserved that between a man and a woman in marriage. But what our world has done is that they have misinterpreted what love is and they have made love into sex. But love is not sex. You can have sex without love. You can have love without sex. But you see how our world has twisted it and made it something that it is not. And if we're not thinking, if we're not sober-minded, as Peter tells us, if we don't gird up the loins of our minds, we can be swept along with what the world says. And so we can get afraid when people say, or when people say to us, how dare you stop people loving one another? We can say, ooh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to stop people loving one another. But you see how they've redefined what love is. But if we set our hope fully on Christ, if we let Jesus tell us, what love is, then we don't need to be afraid. We can be confident because we're standing on him that the way we teach, resting on Christ's words, is the best way to love each other. It's the kindest way to teach one another. Do you see how listening to what Christ said is the only safe way of loving one another rightly? Otherwise, we will get driven down all sorts of wrong paths which will be destructive to ourselves and to others. Let me put it this way. Uh, God is like the kindest parent there is. Uh, God is our heavenly father if we are trusting in him. And a kind parent sometimes has to say no to their child. Not because they hate their child, but because they love their child. Sometimes a child wants to go down a certain path and they feel it's the right path. They feel like it's the thing which is best for them. But the parent knows, no, that'll be destructive. And so the parent will say, you can't go there. I'm going to prevent that from you. And that child might think, you hate me. That child might think, how can you possibly restrict that path from me? How can you say you love me and yet not let me go down that path? And yet, actually, their parents' restriction is the evidence of their love. It's the same with God. It's the same with God towards us. We can be as confused and we can misunderstand just like little children. And so Peter says, like obedient children, don't conform yourselves to your lusts in your ignorance, but set your hope fully on Christ. Trust that Christ knows what is better for you, that Christ knows best what is, for your, what is best for your family and for your friends. Trust that he knows better than you do. 
And that might not always be easy. That might not be an easy path. But it will always, always, always be the safe path. And I wonder when Peter wrote these words, whether he had in mind um, an event which happened to him while Christ was on earth. You might remember in John chapter 6, how in John 6, Christ gave some quite difficult teaching. And in John chapter 6, verse 66, it says that many people stopped following him from that point on. They said, we can't handle this. We can't handle this teaching of Jesus. And Jesus, as it were, left with the 12 disciples in front of him. And he turns to them and he says, will you also go away? And will you follow all these others who can't handle my teaching? And do you remember what Peter said to Jesus? Jesus said to him, uh, Peter said to Jesus, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Perhaps Peter didn't understand Jesus' teaching at that point. Perhaps he was struggling with it as well. But he said, where can I go? You're the one who has the words of eternal life. I don't know about you, but I find that an incredibly encouraging verse. There's so much confusion in this world. Uh, There's so many people wondering, what's the right path to follow? Who's got the truth? Is there truth anymore? Jesus says, yes. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you want a secure path, if you want to walk in the light, if you want to walk the most loving life, the best life, if not the easiest one, then the only place you can go is Christ. And that's why Peter says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that's the question for all of us uh, this morning. Uh, In all our various and different situations, who are you following in your life? Are you being knocked to and fro by the opinions of the world around you? Are you afraid of the opinions of those around you and what they say to you? Or are you following Christ? Are you listening to what he says? And are you walking in the light of life that only comes through following him? And with those thoughts, I've chosen as a final hymn, a new hymn, uh, which Ian is going to Uh, play for us and uh, it's a hymn which I haven't uh, sung before but I came across it uh, during the summer and I thought it was uh, particularly apt for the theme this morning Um, the hymn is there is a hope that burns within my heart that gives me strength for every passing day a glimpse of glory now revealed in meager part yet drives all doubt away I stand in Christ with sins forgiven and Christ in me the hope of heaven my highest calling and my deepest joy to make his will my home. So I think what we do, because it's a new hymn, I'll just ask Ian if he can play the first verse through. We'll remain seated, and just in your minds read through the verse first so you can get to know the tune. And once Ian's played the first verse through once, we'll stand and we'll sing the entire hymn. So we'll stand to sing in a moment, There is a hope that burns within my heart. Mm -hmm. 